We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey Chargers fans, this is the Guilty as Charged podcast where we discuss all things related to the Los Angeles Chargers. We are available on all podcast platforms including Apple, Spotify, and Google. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or review. We do really appreciate the positive feedback. Make sure and follow us on social media including our Patreon account where as little as $1 gains you access to cool things like jersey giveaways and film breakdowns. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Hey, Chargers fans, welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. Joining me as always today is Alex. Alex, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. We we were uh, just talking with uh, Fernando, and we were all watching the Rockets game while we were talking <laughs> to each other. So, we yeah. just joined the podcast, but it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. That was, was a great interview we had. Um, he brought a lot of energy and a lot of great insight that I hope you guys enjoy. Uh, so usually we do the interview, uh, in the middle of the episode today, we're going to start with it. So here is our interview with Fernando. Give it a listen. All right, guys. So happy to be joined now by a special guest who has been covering the LA Chargers for Sports Illustrated, Fernando Ramirez. Fernando, how are you doing today, man? Hey guys, how are you guys doing? Thank you for having me on. Doing good. We're just all sitting here watching the Game 7 of the Thunder and Rockets series, so it was a good good little chat to open up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Fernando, we're obviously recording this, obviously, after the uh, Hard Knocks episode yesterday. Um, you guys were there at the uh, at SoFi Stadium covering what was happening and, and obviously the supposed scrimmage. Um, what was your perspective of everything that, that kind of went down that day and what was your reaction to the chargers, you know, canceling the scrimmage and reaction to the Jacob Blake shooting? 
Well, I mean, to be completely honest, I, there were some of us when we got there, we were thinking, hey, do you think they'll postpone it, cancel it? Um, and I remember walking in, you're, I mean, obviously, first thing you notice is the stadium and you're like, oh, my God, like this thing is incredible. Uh, so, like, we walk in and we check it out and then uh, we hear that Anthony Lynn canceled practice. And I'm like, oh, OK. But the incredible part was that Anthony Lynn came out surrounded by his players. And honestly, guys, a lot of people criticize the Chargers because they, they get uh, good, well-rounded people. They like people that have high character. They like guys like that. And that's you could tell it on uh, last Thursday when you saw the whole team surrounding Lynn and Lynn standing there and talking about what's going on in the world today, talking about what, uh, what this country is going through. And, um, but what really resonated with me was George Stewart, special teams coach George Stewart's speech. I didn't know anything about it. Uh, I hadn't heard anything. When we talked to the players after practice, they were talking about it and they said, oh my God, every player, the players that we had talked to and we heard from, everyone said that that speech resonated with them. Like, I wonder what the speech was about. Then you see hard knocks and you're like, oh wow, like it really, it hits hard. And you're like, wow, okay, like for, for this man to be, to say I've been going through it for 62 years, just, oh wow. Cause I mean, you, you hear 20-year-olds, 19-year-olds talk about it. You're like, oh, okay. But then when you hear somebody 60 years old who's been going through it his whole life, you're like, oh, okay, wow. Like that, it puts it in more of a perspective. Uh, another thing that resonated with me was when Lynn is sitting there kind of like, I don't know, like kind of crouched over, uh, just looking exhausted. And Tyrod at, or one of the players asked him, so are we going to scrimmage? Are we going to make this up or whatever? Are we going to make the scrimmage up and, and stuff like that? And Lynn's like, he just looks exhausted. He's like, I don't know. I guess I'll think about it when I, when I get on the way home. It's just that's how exhausted Lynn was. And um, and it, it, it's one of those things where, I mean, you could tell it by most of these players is that they were hurt. They're hurt by what's going on, and they want uh, their voices heard. So, honestly, this team is very united when it comes to this and when it comes to football. So, uh, I wasn't surprised when the whole team was behind Lynn. Some players decided to speak up. Some didn't. But uh, – but it was just a good all-around uh, feeling from the team, and uh, and you could feel like the team was united in what they did. Right. Uh, and I would be remiss if we didn't talk about the other thing that happened recently with the Chargers, which was the Derwin James injury uh, that happened on Sunday. And you were the first one that I saw a tweet about it. Uh, so you kind of broke the news uh, to an extent there. Um, and I just kind of want to go through what, uh, the process was uh, from, you know, from beginning kind of to end is it sort of had a confusing media run because, you know, it sort of reported as, uh, you know, you were saying, you know, he was grabbing the back of his leg. Then Adam Schefter comes out with a report that he strained his hamstring. And then Ian Rappaport drops the bomb of all bombs that it's a meniscus injury. So yeah. kind of what was that day like and kind of how did it go through the Chargers uh, organization you know, that day and the following days. So basically uh, it was just a routine play. Like everyone just goes up, makes a tackle and he's kind of wobble. Like he just kind of sits there and like, we're all kind of looking at each other and we're like, uh, and then he gets up and he's kind of like a little wobbly starts walking. And I'm like, don't tell me it's like, cause the thing is that sometimes players get smacked and mm-hmm. they get just, like, I've seen Derwin's like he was smacking he had smacked against somebody uh, a couple of days ago, or a couple of weeks ago, and he jumps right back up. So I thought, oh, okay, he's going to jump back up. He didn't get back up, and he kind of was wobbly, walks uh, walks toward the sideline, 
he had he was grabbing at the back of his leg, but I don't know if it was like the because we're a little bit further from them, so I don't know right. if it was a, a tug out his uh, his pants or what it was. But I saw him grab back there, and he walks over and he just throws his uh, his gloves before getting into the tent. And I was like, oh, that's not good. And then obviously everybody's wearing masks, so when Telesco went into the tent and he came out, you couldn't really see his you couldn't read his reaction. So mm-hmm. that's what uh, that's what one of the th- that, that, that was the confusing part that some of us saw him tug at the back of his leg. Other people uh, said other things. But then when his agent, David Molingetta, uh, tweeted out that he was like when he put on Instagram, he was on crutches. I was like, OK, this is that's mm-hmm. it. Like he's done for the season because like there was a lot of excuse me. Like you guys said, a lot of conflicting reports. And I at first had heard uh, he was going to be out for a couple of weeks. But then I thought, no, like there's no way like knowing how Derwin is. I just don't think that that's true. But um he he ends up uh david ends up putting that picture of him or that video of him on crutches i'm like oh yeah derwin's out for the year and yeah uh today that i mean it was announced yesterday i think by josina anderson but uh today derwin or the chargers finally confirmed it that derwin's out for the year so now it's okay who's next like and the thing is that gus bradley yesterday said it like he said next man up but he kind of went i don't i mean i guess you say no no <laughs> right but, uh, one of those it's like the thing is, when you have a player like Derwin James, you set your system, and you're like, okay, Derwin can do can rush the passer. He can uh, cover almost anybody on the field. He can cover tight ends. He can do everything. And now that you've lost him, now you have to throw – like you have to uh, remake your defense in less than a week, and you play Cincinnati. So uh, so it is going to be diff- – I think it is going to be a little difficult for the Chargers to, um, to reshape their defense just because – I mean, when you saw 33 on the field, he was just the energy. You could tell, like, they had lost Brandon Meebane. They lost Phillip Rivers. They lost some of that leadership. But they gained it with Derwin. Derwin would come out celebrating, yelling, getting excited to be back on the football field. And unfortunately, I mean, he's going to have to wait another year. But, like, some of the guys have been saying, like Melvin Ingram, it's just another chapter in his book. And uh, it's going to be a great uh, – the, the book is only going to get that much better. And, and I think that is true. I mean – if you look at it, Keenan Allen uh, came out his first two seasons, played well, gets hurt for two straight seasons, and then comes back, and now he's putting up Pro Bowl numbers. So, I mean, it's one of those things where uh, hopefully Derwin can rebound from this and go back to being a Pro Bowl player. Yeah, I just feel more than anything, I feel so bad for Derwin because of what he went through last year, and you know he was hurt in college, and you know, it, it like you mentioned, there there is no replacing Derwin James with one player, obviously. Um, they have some flexibility back there, you know, Desmond King, Nasir Adderley, Rayshon Jenkins. Um, is this kind of going to be just like a mixing of, of parts because, you know, Rayshon has been playing free safety. They drafted Adderley to be a free safety. Desmond King has been a slot and like a time backer. How do you see the three of them meshing together to tr- attempt to replace Derwin James? Well, to be honest, I think they're also going to throw in Alohi Gilman. Uh, they, they're speaking very highly of Alohi. And uh, what Alohi brings is, like, he's a, he's able to tackle well, and he does that well. So I think Alohi is going to be added into that mix a little bit. But what I've been seeing – and honestly, I'm like you guys right now. Like, I'm blind. I can't see anything. Uh, we're only <laughs> yeah. allowed the 20 minutes uh, when they're stretching and stuff. So other than that, we haven't been able to see anything. But I, I'm one of those guys that, like, looks at their videos sometimes and uh, on Instagram or Twitter, and I, I've seen Nas out there. Uh, so that makes me think, okay, Rayshon's going to move to Strong, and they're going to leave uh, Nas here. And, again, this is just off of what I think. 
I think Nas is going to start at uh, free safety and uh, Rayshon's going to get moved to strong safety, which, I mean, honestly, it, Rayshon told us a couple of weeks ago that he had been working on his tackling in the offseason because that was one of the things that uh, he had gotten knocked for was his tackling. So he said he worked on that. He worked on some other things uh, in the offseason to get better. So um, if he's able to do that, then he'll be fine at uh, strong safety. It's just, it's just not going to be – like, no matter how well Rayshon does, it's just not going to be the same, but I think – the Chargers still have so much talent on this defense that they're going to be able to um, they're going to be able to uh, to still uh, be a force and probably be one of the top seven, top six defenses in the NFL. I, I think that they still have enough talent, but like you said, like the coaches have been saying all week, it's going to be a mix of uh, Desmond King. It's going to be a mix of Rayshon, Nazir, Alohi. Uh, they could do a lot of different things with these guys, but um, but I, I think uh, I think they like I said I still think they have a lot of talent and they're gonna they're gonna be fine on the defensive end uh, this season. There have been uh, some rumors uh, right before, actually today there was a, a rumor about Roderick Teamer, uh, who you know after his suspension potentially he becomes a target maybe to get him back. Uh, there was also kind of rumors about Jaleel Adai and. Uh, other safeties on the market uh, that could make sense to have as depth pieces. Obviously, Anthony Lynn shot down the Earl Thomas uh, rumor pretty succinctly. <laughs> shot that depth uh, and uh, burned it uh, also. Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty funny because I had happened to write an Earl Thomas article, and then an hour later, Anthony person, Lynn just uh, pissed Anthony Lynn off. Then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, so. Uh, obviously we heard about that um and there were a couple other kind of rumored guys or do you think there's any ch- chance that they bring in some kind of veteran safety uh like a jaleel or even someone like uh roderick teamer who has history uh with the chargers to maybe be a depth piece the the way i see it is i don't know if they'd go after jaleel just because uh, there was a lot of there was some questionable uh play with jaleel at times we're like, dude, what are you doing? I mean, maybe they can move him back to strong safety, but watching him last year with Houston, I was kind of like, oh, okay. Like, I mean, I, I just don't know if he – I don't want to say he doesn't fit the system, but, he, like, he knows the system and the team knows him. But I just don't know if they want to go back to that that route. Mm-hmm. Roderick Teamer, if he came back, that would mean that's four games in. I think, right. if, I think if the Chargers don't have it figured out within four games – they could end up going that route, but also, um, and that's, I have a, uh, I just wrote up my projected three, 53-man roster, and I put on it, hey, don't forget, this is subject to change because uh, they could end up making moves. I don't know if you guys remember, last year, uh, they made the 53-man roster, boom, and then the next day, they were adding players, letting go of players, doing, they, right. they, they did a lot of shifting and moving last year, so I do expect Tom to maybe look around um, I just don't know if Jaleel's the guy because I mean, if if you really wanted, if you really wanted him, you you I mean, essentially would already have. Him. I right. mean, maybe they do it, but I, I think they like the Nas and the Rayshon Jenkins, um, and the Desmond King playing all over the field just because uh, Michael Davis and all these other guys are going to be obviously in the rotation for corner. So maybe you move Desmond around. But I think if they wanted Jaleel, they would have already gotten him. I mean, I, I like I said, I don't know. Maybe they can get him or, or not. But I think they're going to look at the guys that get released in, um, 
with the cut downs on the roster and they're going to go, Oh, maybe that guy, maybe this guy. So I, I think they're going to look more at that first. Like, I think that's option a Jaleel right. is probably option B and then Roderick Teamer's option C just because of uh, Roderick uh, having the four game suspension suspension. I think that totally makes sense. And, and like you mentioned, just kind of wait and see. And, and also, you know, you, you want to give uh, Adderley and Jenkins some time. So I think that totally makes sense. Um, in terms of the undrafted, oh sorry, I was just gonna say, and and they have some. Uh, they're gonna have a lot of comp- a, a lot of uh, competition in the first four weeks. It's not gonna be easy to play. Uh, even Joe Jer Burrow is a rookie. Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, and Tom Br- and Teddy Bridgewater, and Tom Brady, in the and then Drew Brees in the first five weeks. You're you're gonna yeah. get tested, and you're gonna get tested early. So mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. We, we Alex and I have talked about how just brutal of a stretch that first five games is. Yeah. Um, in terms of the undrafted free agents, obviously last night we saw Braden Fajoko kind of get his uh, 15 minutes of fame, so to speak, with the Hawker dance, which I thought was hilarious <laughs> and awesome. And, and I just love that energy. Have there been any other guys that have been undrafted free agents that have kind of sparked some interest? Obviously, I, I assume one of the fullbacks is going to make it. Um, but any other, any other guys that you think have a good chance of making the roster this year? Um, Bobby Holly has been the guy that I've been, the, when it comes to fullback, I've been impressed with him. Uh, Gabe Nabbers, I mean, I'm impressed with too, but Bobby Holly just has that old school, like, sit you on your keister. Yeah. Uh, so I don't go a little bit extra on that one. Sit you down, uh, and all that. And I, like, there's times where he just thumps and I'm like, oh, wow, like this guy, this guy's pretty good at opening a hole up. Um, other than that, I mean, it's so hard because of preseason. Like it's hard to get reps. It's hard to get all that. So I just, I mean, maybe Darius Bradwell as a surprise could get in there, but I just don't see that happening. Uh, I think guys like him, Fayoko, I think those guys are going to end up being put on the, uh, the practice squad, but I just don't see. um, And I have the roster right in front of me and I have the 53 men that I selected. So I, it's just – I think Bobby Holly will be the only player that makes it, uh, to be completely honest, or Gabe Nabbers. One of those two will be the undrafted guy that the Chargers signed in this offseason. But I just see it as very hard just because of how well some of the other players have played and also you don't have preseason games to kind of go off of. So, um, so yeah, no, I mean – and there's there have been some guys that have played well, they've done well, but it, it, it's just so hard without preseason games to really know – what you have. And that's why I asked Tyron today, has it been kind of hard without preseason games? He's like, yes and no. Um, He's like, obviously for the lower roster guys, yeah, it has been. But for us, I mean, we're getting ready. I mean, I get to face one of the top defenses in the NFL and they're preparing me really well. So it's like, it's one of those things where it's kind of give and take. So, um, but yeah, no, I I really don't see an Austin Eckler this year. I don't see an Antonio Cates. I don't see a Malcolm Floyd. player like that so yeah no it's going to be very hard to make this team just because the Chargers are already set in a sense and uh they kind of have their pieces where they're like okay we're set the only way I could see them doing something is maybe if they brought in another receiver just because you don't know how long Mike Williams will be out but I don't know if any on the roster could make I mean I saw Muhammad Tanu was uh released today and I was like I'm like well he does kind of fit the style that these guys kind of want to run but, I mean, I just – with these guys, they're just so unpredictable. That you're like, oh, like, I don't know if they would get them or not. I don't know if they're content with what they have at receiver. But um, I I just don't see an undrafted guy making uh, the roster. 
Have there been any uh, hard knocks moments through the first four weeks that uh, you feel were uh, kind of interesting or anything that you had to kind of add on to them that uh, come to mind? Yeah, they haven't put me on there some more. I, I, <laughs> I had of all these guys. Every, I make everybody else have fun. So I'm like, dude, what? And I've, and I've dressed well. well. I'm not dressed well right now. But I've dressed well and everything. And I'm like, all right, where are the cameras? And they don't even come out at me. So I'm like, <laughs> I saw that. I saw that Gilbert had like a little uh, back shot one time when they when they oh, yeah. the sidelines. And it's funny because like Gilbert and one of those will say stuff to me and like Gil Gilbert. I mean, honestly, as a unit, like we're we're close. Like we we're always giving each other slack and stuff like that. Like the guys and everything. So it, we have fun. But Gilbert, the first day, sees me at training camp and like I have like everything. Uh, I have some brand new Kobe's on. Like. I'm rocking it. He's like, dude, you're really trying to get on hard knocks. I was like, no, nah, don't even start. Like, I'm so he just starts giving me crap about it. But, uh, but, yeah. but to be completely honest, uh, I've loved watching Justin Herbert. I, I'm, I'm so mesmerized by Justin Herbert. I, I don't know if it's because I've been covering the team for so long that I'm always used to 17 out there. And uh, obviously he's old reliable. Nobody's going to beat him out. And now I have like a rookie quarterback and I'm like watching him and I'm like, Oh my God, like I'm just amazed by everything he does. He has a good play. Uh, he goes straight to uh, Pep Hamilton. He has a bad play straight to Pep Hamilton. Like watching Pep Hamilton and him is mesmerizing just cause like after practice, uh, like today, I, you see them running and sprinting like Pep warms up with the offense. Pep, uh, does like, he stretches out with these guys. He runs with them. They were running suicides the other day, and Pep was there running suicides. Wow. <laughs> Pep Hamilton honestly should be featured a lot more in this just because he is such – like, he is so unique. And it's funny because one of the uh, one of the first few times when we talked to Pep and talked to him about um, – and talked to him about just him and um, and Justin's relationship and everything, he's like, dude, Justin and I have been talking till uh, – sometimes we talk football until midnight or one in the morning. I'm like, wow, like that's just how Man. much – I wish they would have gone more into their relationship because, I mean, you saw yesterday, Justin has a bad uh, a bad day. The next day he comes in, bang, 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 starts hitting all his receivers. He, uh, he's been – honestly, he's been very impressive. I've been impressed with him. Yes, he has. He's thrown some picks. He's, he's done some bad stuff. But the good stuff is where you really focus on You're like, okay, it's not that bad. I mean, dude, if I was playing quarterback up against Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa – I'd probably start throwing pictures. <laughs> so, um, yeah. but to be honest, like there's been a lot of good when it comes to Justin Herbert. And I feel like, uh, I'm not going to say that the cameras haven't really shown that, but I feel like uh, Justin has done very good work and I, and I'm just mesmerized by him. I love watching him. I love the way he kind of operates on the field. I like watching kind of like what he does, how he goes into the huddle, stuff like that. So honestly, he's made a ton of great plays. Uh, and I, and I feel like, um, I feel like he's been the most the most entertaining part of Hard Knocks, to be completely honest. Uh, him and, like I said, uh, Pep Hamilton, just their relationship is something unique. And I wish fans had a little bit more uh, – had gotten a little bit more to, to like, be able to watch that relationship. Like, if the Chargers would have gotten Hard Knocks to themselves, I feel like you would have seen a little yeah. bit more of that and you guys would understand mm-hmm. where I'm coming from because it's just, it's just amazing to watch both of them work. And honestly – my hats off to Anthony Lynn because that was a great hire. Pep Hamilton's a great hire. He will bring Justin along, um, and hopefully uh, Justin can learn uh, and pick it up quickly. The way I think he will, uh, I think he will end up picking it up pretty quickly and uh, and all that. 
That's... So yeah, there was a there was just kind of a moment uh, in Hard Knocks last night where he uh, evades that sack and then just steps up, darts it, and that that was like one of my favorite throws. Where I'm like, all right, he might he might have the goods. Um, yeah, I know. He, he honestly. Right. He makes a lot of those throws. And I, like I said, some of the cameras don't show it sometimes. Yeah. Like there was one where he just goes to the right side, sees somebody open on his left, and they say, don't throw across your body. But he slings it and hits the guy. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, okay, this kid has this kid has it. I mean, the thing is that if he would have had a full offseason, right. right now, like right now he's probably right around where he would be at the start of training camp or maybe a week into training mm-hmm. camp. Because of everything going on, He has, right. you kind of have to play catch up. And the, the Chargers, honestly, to their credit, are giving their their rookie players, they're not giving them too much. They're letting them ease into it because they know that these guys are still rookies and not everybody's – like just because Kenneth Murray is already practicing with the first team and taking off, that doesn't mean that the other guys are going to do it. So they're easing these guys in and making sure that they can play at their uh, – they play at their own speeds and, and not rush them, uh, not rush each other and not rush themselves. So, so to follow up uh, on the Herbert thing, just kind of – gut feeling how quickly do you think he can uh, get into the season uh, and how quickly do you think he'll it'll be a, he'll be a starter well, one of the things that i've been telling people is and gilbert and i have been adamant about this that we haven't seen them with him with the first team offense so mm-hmm. i don't know what that looks like right i think that that would look a lot better than some of the stuff that we've already seen and stuff but i just know that uh, the Chargers do not want that on hard knocks they don't want us watching that because i mean you just mm. don't know. So I don't know how he would do. But, I mean, having Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, because that's one of the things. Herbert has developed a relationship with uh, Steven Anderson, the char- one of the Chargers tight ends. So that, to me, makes me think, oh, then he would develop it quick with Hunter Henry then because uh, Hunter's one of those uh, tight ends that you would just fall in love with if you were a quarterback. So I, I don't know how quickly we'll see him. The thing is that uh, today I was doing a radio show from Hawaii, and they asked me, do you think Herbert will play this year? And I was like, to be honest, if – if one the one or two scenarios has to happen, obviously if Tyrod Taylor gets hurt, then yes, I think it will be him that plays. But the other thing is, is that if uh, if the Chargers are either out of it completely at the end of the season, or they're maybe they got the one of the wild cards already wrapped up in the final game of the season, uh, they feel like doing what Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs did, throw him in there and give him a couple of. Uh, give him a couple of uh, – give him a game to maybe see what he has, then, yeah, I could see that happening too. But it's just one of those things where um, where I just don't know just because it seems like the – it seems like Anthony Lynn loves Tyrod Taylor. He knows what he brings in his offense. He's right. going to take care of the football. And um, so I, it's going to either have to take the Chargers or oh, oh, two and five going into – I mean, to the back – or the back end of their schedule or their – three and six or whatever for them to maybe pull the trigger. And if the offense just isn't clicking, I think Anthony Lynn might do it. But uh, to be honest, it would have to take one of those bad scenarios for, right. I think, Justin to, to really take the field. Cause I think they want him to learn. I think they kind of want right. to red shirt, learn, see what the calls are, see what it is. Cause I mean, to be honest, Tyrod's a free agent after this year. So that to me tells me, I don't, and the chargers have Keenan Allen. They have a lot of guys coming off their books. So do you really want to pay a quarterback when you have a rookie quarterback uh, sitting there? So I, unless Tyrod gets them to the AFC championship, I think that these guys are very um, – I think these guys are, re- are, are going to want Justin for the future, not right now. So give him one year, mm. let him prepare, let him get comfortable with Pep, and next year, let's go.
Yeah, I think like you mentioned earlier, if this were a regular offseason, maybe I could see him kind of, oh, you know, wowing I'll camp. Tell you, I'll, I'll tell you right now, if if they well, I don't want to <laughs> throw anything out there, but I think that if uh if Justin would have gotten a full offseason, I I think this might be a little bit closer than what people think, to be honest. He's just a smart guy. He's so smart. He understands what he's doing wrong. He, he like I and I'm telling you, like I watch him, I and somebody <laughs> I, I shouldn't be watching him this much, but like I watch him and he's like, like he comes over to Pep and he's like, yeah, I did this wrong or I did that. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, okay, this kid understands. So I, I guess, like I tell I'm telling you, I've gotten Philip Rivers. So I know Philip Rivers knows where everybody is, but to watch <laughs> a rookie quarterback, know exactly, like he knows what is going on and everything. I, I don't know. I just get, I, I, I like watching Justin operate. And I think it's a lot of fun to kind of just sit there and watch the kid uh, learn and, and, and adapt to the NFL. Yeah, that, that's some great stuff by you, Fernando. Really appreciate that content. Uh, we'll kind of get you out of here on this last question. Um, there's been a lot to make of the wide receiver position, you know, obviously out behind uh, Keenan and Mike Williams. Mike Williams' status for week one of Yana is a little uncertain. Uh, so if they head in into Cincinnati without Mike Williams, what do you think is the kind of plan with the receiving room with the way it is right now? Run the ball. <laughs> uh, yeah. no to be honest I, they really like Jalen Guyton uh he's one of those guys that like he has speed and um he knows their system he's been around it for a while now he got to play last year I mean uh, yesterday he told us that he's kind of a Dennis Rodman kind of player and I was like I like looked over at uh Jeff Miller and I'm like oh wow Dennis Rodman I mean we you can <laughs> player, but you decided Dennis Rodman I'm like hey yeah. that's Sometimes that's a, that's the kind of guy you want on your roster. So uh, they like Jalen. They they love Joe Reed. They love what Joe Reed brings. Um, KJ, you know what's interesting is that KJ Hill reminds me a little bit of Keenan Allen. He's sure-handed. He he's a great route runner. He just doesn't have that speed that they want for that third receiver. But I think I think KJ Hill is going to make a lot of plays uh, this year for the team just because he's so sure-handed. He moves well. He he. In practice, it's it's so funny because they put him with the third team making plays, second team making plays. Anywhere you put him, he's making plays. So I, I really like KJ, and I, I like what he brings. Uh, don't sleep on Darius Jennings either. I know that he's a return guy, but in practice, he's making a lot of catches that you're like, oh, wow, okay. Like, And it's funny because I kind of asked him, and I should I kind of should have worded the question a little bit differently, but I'm like, hey, you've been very impressive when you're out here this that. Well, I'm also a receiver too. I'm not just a returner. And I'm like, oh, I forget about that. Sometimes you forget because of how explosive he is as a as a returner. So, um, to be completely honest, I I'm very interested to see if the Chargers will pick somebody up at receiver, just because uh, I like I said they like all these guys. They really do. But if there's a guy out there that can help you, maybe a Muhammad, like I said, Muhammad Sanu, maybe somebody like that, would the Chargers kind of? Uh, jump forward and be like, you know what? Yeah, let's add a guy like this. Because Mohamed Sanu is a veteran. He's been in the league for a long time. Uh, yeah, I mean, he didn't have the best stretch with New England, but I mean, there's a lot of receivers that go there and they don't play well or uh, they just can't adapt to that to Bill Belichick system. So maybe Mohamed could come to the Chargers. And I mean, he's fast. He has explosive speed still, I, in my opinion. So he'd be a guy that I would look at. Maybe there's another... Uh, Maybe during the cut-down period, there's a receiver that the Chargers really like, and they're like, oh, you know what, let's go get this guy. But to be honest, I think they really like what they're where they're at right now with the receiver. Um, but I, if I was them, I well, I mean, obviously I'm not, but I, I, would, I, I would think they're going to go out and look for one, maybe just 
look around, see if they can find something where they like a receiver and they bring them in. But according to Lynn, according to uh, Steichen, according to all those guys, they really like the players that they have in-house. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see if they decide to stay with that or if they decide to go somewhere else and, uh, and get another receiver. Yeah, well, that'll be really fun to watch out how that pans out. Well, Fernando, thank you so much for joining us, man. We really appreciate you. Uh, that was a lot of great content, especially about the Justin Herbert and Pep Hamilton stuff. So thank you so much for all your time and for all your insight. Thank you for having me on. Thanks, man. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed that. Alex, what was kind of your uh, your main takeaway from interviewing with Fernando? Yeah, uh, I really liked how he described the sequence uh, that went down with the canceled scrimmage and gave us a little bit more insight uh, than kind of Hard Knocks did, right? There was a little bit more detail kind of given there. Um, I, I sort of like how he <laughs> refuted all of my safety ideas, <laughs> <laughs> such as Jaleel and I and Earl Thomas. But uh, yeah, so, you know, the safety thing I think is interesting just because he he talked about how, you know, even when the Chargers make their 53-man roster, uh, there's still a bunch of changes that might happen afterwards and a lot of wheeling and dealing. Um, so that might be interesting from the prospect of receiver. Uh, he seemed to bring up the prospect of Muhammad Sanu a lot, uh, which I think would be interesting. Fellow Rutgers alum. Uh, hey. And, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I, I think it would be interesting to see after the Chargers make this 53-man roster on Saturday, um, you know, what kind of moves they make after that and see kind of what uh, holes they end up plugging. Yeah, he mentioned Jalen Guyton as a guy that the Chargers like, and he was actually someone that the Chargers snagged after the final cuts, I believe, um, from the Dallas Cowboys. So that that could certainly be a possibility. I, you know, I, it's very well known that I was not thrilled with the Chargers drafting Justin Herbert. You know, when you're watching film, you only get so much so much insight into mm-hmm. a player. Um, but the more I hear about Justin Herbert, man, the more I like him. It seems like he is just being uh, a sponge with coach Pep Hamilton. And that was kind of the main standout for me with talking with uh, Fernando is that Herbert's making progress. I think, you know, his uh, speculation, if this were a normal year, that maybe Justin Herbert could be challenging, really challenging Tyrod Taylor for a starting position was, was interesting as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've, we've just been always saying Herbert's by Naples, And I, I kind of thought, no matter what that uh, Tyrod would be the starter from day one. But yeah, it's, it's interesting to see as, as Herbert's come along that he's definitely been uh, a bit more experienced than I thought. Uh, and, you know, he's kind of uh, developed more quickly than I thought. So it seems like he's really getting the hang of things and maybe by the middle of the season, maybe towards the end of the season, he'll, he'll find his way in. Um, but yeah, I'm super curious to see how that continues. Yeah, the thing that I'm most curious to see really with this dynamic is, you know, this franchise has been a historically slow starter. Of course, you know, the guy running the offense is is gone now, so maybe that changes a little bit with Phil Rivers uh, in Indianapolis. So, like, if the Chargers do start one and three and they're heading into New Orleans, you know, one and three, and then they lose again, and they're one and four, you know, I don't think that's going to happen, but... You right. Know, I have to think that if they are one and four after week five, maybe the Chargers do consider making a change and maybe they do uh, switch to Justin Herbert and just kind of, you know, let it ride with the rookie. I don't know. 
I think it also depends on how Tyrod's playing, right? If Tyrod's kind of playing, you know, to an extent like how he was in Cleveland, for example, uh, and they're, you know, one and four, uh, I think that's different if then, you know, Tyrod playing pretty well and they're, you know, one and four, right? So sometimes right. the Chargers just get unlucky, as we've seen in recent years uh, through special teams or, you know, some other disaster that happens. So, I think it really depends on what they're seeing from Tyrod. And, you know, if Tyrod's playing like he was in Buffalo, I think it's very hard for Herbert to get on the field. And if he's playing like he was in Cleveland, it leaves some uh, kind of room to move there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you mentioned unlucky, and that leads us to the next thing, which is the Derwin James discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, when we recorded last, it was still kind of up in the air. It's now official that he will be missing six to eight months, essentially the whole season. Uh, and be placed on injured reserve. Daniel Popper mentioned that he expects them to keep him on the roster in quotations uh, after the first fi- after their first initial cuts, and then after that they will put him on injured reserve. Uh, officially put him on injured reserve. So that leaves them some wiggle room in terms of roster flexibility. You know, we obviously did our fifty-three man prediction uh, this past time, uh, this past episode. Excuse me. So not much to really change there because, you know, that's just kind of up in the air still. Um, You know, we kind of have a little clarity and I did do a film breakdown on Nasir Adderley and I'm really excited about Nasir Adderley. I think he's going to be very good for this team. I don't know what kind of role that he's going to play, but what do you kind of make of this whole quote unquote replacing Derwin James that the Chargers are going to have to do? Right. Uh, it seems from every uh, reporter, from from Lynn himself, from Gus Bradley himself, it seems like it's going to be Rayshon at strong safety. Then you have Desir at free. Um, and then from there, things might get a little bit interesting, right? Uh, do you just put Alohi Gilman as kind of the backup to, um, you know, to Rayshon Jenkins? Do you bring back a guy, right? We, we talked about... Uh, Roderick Teamer in the interview. There have been rumors about him. Uh, there's also been uh, some stuff about Jaleel Adai and whether he would come back or, or whether the Chargers would be interested in him. Uh, so I wouldn't be shocked if the Chargers uh, got one of those kind of depth three agents just to kind of reaffirm right. things there. I know Chargers feel a certain way. Chargers fans feel a way about Jaleel Dye, you know, uh, intercepting and then fumbling. And <laughs> it's just, you know, he's kind of infamous at this point. But he does know the system, uh, and he knows a lot of the guys he's playing with, like Casey Hayward and Michael Davis uh, and Desmond King, right? So I, I think it is a little bit of a fit there, not for him to be starting safety, but for him to have some kind of yeah. role where he's a backup. Um. And, you know, the same is true with, with Roderick Teamer after his four-game suspension is completed. I could definitely see him, uh, them bringing him back. Um, more so, I think, him than a die. I think, would, would probably right. be a fit. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I know the Chargers keep saying, like, you know, oh, we feel good with the guys we have. But at the end of the day, I don't think that they want to be throwing Alohi Gilman out there in some situation. I, I feel right. like they want to bring in some kind of depth piece that's a little bit more experienced. And that's not an offense to Lohi Gilman. It's just being a sixth round pick in, you know, 2020 where we had no off season and we haven't heard a lot of buzz about him in camp. It's just, there is no room to develop because they're easing these guys into it um, as opposed to what it would normally be. Right. Um, 
I, I guess Alohi Gilman is different from Roderick Teamer last year in the sense of, you know, just the you know the actual preparation that Roderick Teamer got to do. Right, it, it was very different in comparison to Gilman this year. So personally, I would still like to see the Chargers bring in that depth piece. I know. I don't think a starting guy like uh, we talked about Earl Thomas, who Anthony Lynch uh, shot down into the incinerator. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> we also mentioned, you know, like Eric Reed, Tony Jefferson, Mor- uh, Morgan Burnett. I don't think any of those are going to happen either, but I definitely think that they should look into maybe bringing in one of those depth safeties. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I, I don't think m- move, making a move from one of those starting quality safeties makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I'm I'm ready to see what they have in Nasir Adderley, man. And, and and I did his film breakdown today, like I mentioned, and I, it was a lot of fun doing it. And it was kind of uh, obviously reminiscing because he didn't really have any tape from last year. He had a couple punt return or he had a couple punt coverages and kickoff coverages, um, but there it was mostly just going back to that San Francisco San Francisco preseason game, and then his college tape. Um, his college tape is impressive. You know, it was fun watching that again, but yeah, I'm excited to see what they can do with him and Rayshon Jenkins kind of playing, going back to his natural position as strong safety, you know, very similarly to Jalil Adai, although not as bad at free safety. Um, <laughs> and then Desmond King, I think Desmond King is still that wild card on this role. Anthony Lynn said that the team doesn't really view him as a corner and never really has, which that's fine, but he played slot corner most of his career. Right. So, you know, kind of moving him around is going to be very interesting as well. I do think that, you know, bringing in a veteran death piece makes a lot of sense because, you know, God forbid another injury happens. Like, they like Alohi Gilman, apparently. That's what Fernando said. I would be honestly more comfortable with Roderick Teamer starting than Alohi Gilman because, like you mentioned, the experience factor, the preparation – you know, and Alohi, it's very similar to, like, him and Roderick would have very similar struggles to me, but Alohi has not had the kind of preparation that Roderick Teamer had all last year. Right. Um, it's just it's just the time difference and the difference in this offseason. Um, I would definitely feel more comfortable with Rod Teamer out there. Uh, for all his struggles than Lohi Gilman. Uh, and I think Lohi Gilman can definitely develop into something good. Uh, you know, Adrian Phillips was one of those late round picks uh, back in the day. But I think, yeah, definitely that Roderick Teamer is definitely more prepared right now. Uh, and I think that's kind of why that rumor has picked up, you know. So um, as Fernando said in the interview, you know, they'll see where they are after three weeks. And then, you know, after that fourth week you know when his suspension is over um if the secondary is struggling a little bit or the safeties are struggling it wouldn't uh, be surprising at all for them to bring uh, rod teamer back i think yeah and it makes sense to kind of just wait and see and then maybe you do bring in an eric reed or a tony jefferson or something down the road mm-hmm. um the other thing that i want to talk about today uh anthony lynn in his press conference did give a little shout out to storm norton obviously the uh former xfl star and you know he his exact words is like it's great to have a storm sorry it's great to have a swing tackle like storm and so to me i mean he didn't flat out say that storm norton would be the first tackle off the bench but to me when you say you're a swing tackle that means you are going to be the first offensive tackle off the bench in case of injury 
Um, and obviously just kind of like the wheels got turning for me. Okay. So if storm Norton is the swing tackle, that means Trey Pipkins is the fourth tackle on the roster essentially. And so I'm just, I'm a little concerned about his development because, you know, the team did give him some first, uh, first team reps in the first couple of weeks of practice. They did kind of give him a shot. Obviously he didn't have any scrimmage time or anything like that. Um, but I'm just worried about this, his development because he could not only could he not beat out Sam Tevy for the starting spot, he couldn't beat out a former XFL player for the swing tackle spot. Am I reaching here? Is it too kind of, is it still too early to be concerned about Trey Pipkins? What do you make of this whole left tackle backup left tackle situation? I don't think it's too early to worry. I mean, I think that the, the way this offseason has gone, I don't know if I would judge a lot from it. But, you know, I think the fact that he couldn't beat out Storm Norton, that, that is concerning. Um, just because, you know, you did take him with the third round pick. Um, you know, I don't know if that's something they've come to regret or, you know, what they're planning to do. I, I know at the beginning of training camp, he did have some kind of knee ailment. I don't know if that's still bugging him. We haven't really gotten much of an update on that other than he's been practicing with this uh, knee brace. But, you know, so potentially that's something that's holding him back. I don't know. Um, you know, so to, to me, Tevi was always going to be the starter. I don't really know if it was much of a competition. It might be one of those things where, you know, in a normal offseason, right, uh, like Fernando was talking about with Taylor and Herbert, you know, in a normal offseason, we might have gotten to see Pipkins push uh, Tevi, or we've seen, you know, Norton push Tevi, or, you know, something like that. But it was just the reality of the offseason was there was really no way um, that I thought Tevi was going to get pushed because he was easily the most experienced uh, in the group, for better or worse. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, for better or yeah. worse, he was the most experienced. But you know, so I, I do think the lack of development is concerning, right? I would be much more comfortable with him being the second tackle uh, as the former third pick, or not third pick, third round pick. But it's um, it's a little bit concerning for me, but I, it's just one of those things where there's some things this offseason where it's just hard to make heads or tails of who's really ahead on the depth chart and all of that, so... You know, I don't know if a year from now it'll be different if, say, the offseason really starts in April and, you know, we get the, we hit the uh, ground running from OTAs, right? Um, so that could be a very different type of offseason. So um, uh, I'm still holding out some hope for Pipkins, uh, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it is a little bit concerning that he's getting beaten out by, say, Storm Norton. Um, but yeah, I, I still think they may view him as kind of a project development and then see where he is a year down the road, um, especially after this type of offseason. Yeah, I guess they could be viewing this year as his true redshirt year because last year he wasn't supposed to play. You know, they had come out and said uh, that he was a developmental project for the future, right. which is fine. You know, I think. In terms of taking an offensive tackle last year, like by all means, take a guy kind of later and, and try and develop him. That offensive tackle class has proven to be a shit show. It, it's so bad. Um, you know, even Cody Ford, who was the the second offensive tackle, I believe, taken, he was like graded in the 50s by Pro Football Focus 
Andre Dillard was pretty clearly uh, the, the best offensive tackle in the class. And he probably would have been like sixth or seventh in this year's class. Um, so I, I just think in general, people maybe we're getting over it. I don't know. But last year, taking Pipkins in the third round, it it was a smart pick in the sense that if he does pan out, then you're set. If he doesn't, you know, it's just a third round pick. It was the development of the guy. You never really know. And if Storm Norton hits, man, then you then you hit a gem from the XFL. So I guess it's not the end of the world. I just me personally, you know, I was all in on Trey. I don't want to say all in, but <laughs> I thought that Trey Pipkins sh- should have been the starting left tackle over mm-hmm. Sam Tevy. And maybe, like you said, if it was a normal offseason, we would have seen what that looks like. Um, so I, I guess it's just because I, I put in a lot of work studying him and <laughs> trying to figure out if he could be a legitimate offensive tackle. And, you know, I certainly feel better about his upside than Sam Tevy's upside because we already know who Sam Tevy is. Um, so I guess it's just kind of me reacting to someone that I've really put in a lot of work in the, in this off season. Yeah. You reminded me Andre Dillard happened. <laughs> Sorry, man. You know, so we, we had this conversation or not. We, I had this conversation on Twitter with people about why do injuries always happen to the charges? It's like, well, maybe you should check out the Eagles injury reports from you the should last check year out the other team. I root for. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so injuries happen to every team. Unfortunately, the Chargers and Eagles always seem to be up here at the top. But, hey, you know, the Eagles have a Super Bowl, so at least there's that. <laughs> at least you always have Nick Foles, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, the last thing we wanted to talk about is the Leonard Fournette signing, well, cutting by the Jaguars and signing to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, I don't understand the hype train around the Buccaneers. Like, I think they'll probably make the playoffs. <laughs> Uh, to me, this Leonard Fournette signing does not make sense. It does not move the needle at all. I don't think Fournette fits the type of running back that Bruce Arians typically wants because I think he wants, you know, a guy like David Johnson and who went healthy was a three down back and could really catch the ball out of the backfield and kind of run on the edges and make some plays in space. That's not Leonard Fournette with Leonard Fournette. You got to go, you know, double tight end set run the ball down the middle and you have to feed him the ball 20, 25 times a game to really see him be effective because he's one of those old school. Well, he gets better as the punishment gets, you know, continues and the punishment increases the better he gets supposedly. Um, What did you make of the Leonard Fournette being cut by the Jags and signed by the Buccaneers? Honestly, I just love how ESPN is really like forcing these graphics now where every time the <laughs> Buccaneers sign someone, it'll just be like, look at how stacked they are, fire emoji. And then it's like, I don't know, Leonard Fournette and, you know, geriatric Gronk and Mike Evans <laughs> and, and geriatric Brady. And it's just like, okay, this is like, all right, I guess. And, you know, I, I made a joke when they signed LaShawn McCoy that it's like, oh, man, this is the 2012 Pro Bowl team. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I honestly don't, like, hate the Buccaneers. I mean, I hate Brady a little bit. But I, um, I, I just don't really get some of their signings. I mean, Leonard Fournette is fine. But honestly, like, I would have been fine rolling it with Ronald Jones. And they just took Kashawn Vaughn in the third round. So it's just like, what are we really doing with Leonard Fournette here? I, I just don't totally right. understand the move. I, I guess, but you know, I guess having that better running back, but you also just signed LaShawn McCoy. So it's like you have LaShawn 
Keshawn Vaughn, Ronald Jones, you know, Leonard Fournette just seems extra to me. Um, I, I don't really understand the move on their part. I understand it on Leonard Fournette's because now he gets to play with Tom Brady instead of uh, Blake Bortles and Gardner Minshew. Um, but, yeah. um, you know, but I, I don't totally understand it from the Bucks standpoint. And, you know, when it comes to them being a playoff team, I, I just look at the NFC and I'm like, I don't really know if they are a playoff team. Cause like I look at the NFC West, you have the Niners, Seahawks, Rams, that's three possible playoff teams. Uh, maybe the Cardinals, uh, then in the NFC North, to me, you got the Packers and the Vikings. The East, you have the Eagles and the Cowboys, you know, so one of them gets in probably, or maybe one of them sneaks in on a wild card too. Um, and in the South, I honestly like the Saints and the Falcons better than the Buccaneers um, a little bit. So I think the Buccaneers are like the 10th best team in the NFC, which is like, we're competing for a wild card, I guess. Um yeah. And, and maybe they'll surprise me, but I just don't – I think this roster is kind of weirdly built on offense of, like, guys who were kind of past their prime, and I think they just did such a turn on offense compared to what they were doing a year ago that I just wonder how that all plays out. And their defense is still mm, – I mean, it's okay, but you – know, no, actually, I, I said on an earlier episode it's all shit, so I have to stand by that. Um, <laughs> So, you know, it's, um, yeah, I I just, I I sell the Buccaneers in general. And if I have to see one more ESPN hype graphic of like, the Buccaneers just signed Sean Alexander, I'm going to (laughs) like fucking, I'm going to go ballistic. (laughs) Sean Alexander, who's been out of the league since like 2011. Yeah. Oh man, that's hilarious! The uh, the ja- like we're going for now. <laughs> Honestly, it really does. The Jaguars are. I don't understand like the logic of trading and cutting all of these players, man. Because they really spent a long time like being bad and, and you know uh, getting all these draft picks from other guys, and then they draft all these players and they get to the AFC Championship game in 2017. And then it's like, okay, all of our players, bye. Like, we don't want you anymore. And so, you know, I understand that they're well, – I assume that they're trying to tank for Trevor Lawrence, and I get it. But, you know, I, I'm just – like, I'm a firm believer if you get really good players, you keep them around and you build around those good players. And if you go down the list of players that they have let go or traded, you know, Jalen Ramsey, Calais Campbell, Malik Jackson, obviously Leonard Fournette now. I mean, Blake Bortles wasn't good, but he was a starting quarterback for them. Allen Robinson is another one. I just, when Chargers fans complain about how bad we have it, it could always be worse. You could always be fans of the Jaguars. You could always be fans of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, So just a little perspective to uh, end the show. Alex, any other thoughts before we wrap up tonight? I was just going to say with the Jaguars, the big mistake that they did was re-signing Blake Bortles after that playoff run. Yes. If they had moved on then maybe Jalen Ramsey and some of those guys would still be around. Um, but yeah, so I, I'd be curious to see what the Jags would have been if they had moved on for, uh, you know, a quarterback who wasn't afraid to throw the football, but you know, um, yeah. that's a topic for one of, uh, David Damashek's uh, NFLs, but, um, yeah, no, that's, uh, about it for today. Um, 
I'm very excited for the next uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers hype graphic of them signing uh, Otto Graham. I don't know. Otto Graham, my gosh. <laughs> Pulling out all the names today. Uh, yeah, this was a, a great episode. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. I'm excited that football is is inching closer and closer. Uh, we are going to do our bolt beat roundtable where we're going to do a, a season preview with our fellow writers over there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and then our next episode after that is going to be Cincinnati Bengals preview. Obviously go over the injury reports. Hopefully we get some clarity on Mike Williams and really just how long uh, he is going to be out. I think, you know, we're all hoping for the best. And if that first injury report comes out and says probable, I'm going to be so happy. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Um, that'll do it for our show today, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure and follow us on all social media and we'll see you next time. See ya. Buck Ohio. <laughs> Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.